All right, family, I'm going to just say woo woo, because today we're boarding the train of a runaway emotions. You may have ever found yourself on the track of a runaway emotion. You know exactly what we're talking about. That's what the topic is for this week. And we're going to get started on the main episode right now. You might have heard that train whistle, woo, woo, and you may have said, what, what, what are you guys talking about? What is a runaway emotion? Today, we want to address emotions that all of us feel that end up on the negative spectrum. We want to just put up front, this is not a replacement for therapy. This is not about diagnosing yourself. If you have a clinically diagnosed mental illness, then we encourage you to continue on with the help that you seek and the care that you get. But today, because so many of us in today's modern world have a lot of stressors and a lot that comes at us, we can tend to find people pushing play on patterns of behavior and emotional thinking that aren't constructive, that are negative, and that can carry them and their fulfillment and their happiness away with them. Now, a few runaway emotions that might be familiar to you are the emotions of depression, the emotion of anxiety, the emotion of of anger. Uh, These are emotions that can come in and hijack your experience. They can hijack your focus, your attention, your awareness, and take everything that you are and everything that you've got and give it all to the runaway emotion. Right. You ever been having like a pretty good day and then you run into somebody that you don't have the best relationship with or that you still have beef with or that there's weirdness or animosity, even if you just see them drive by on the street or even if you just drive by the place you used to work with them or the place you had coffee with them once or the restaurant where you had that fight with them, you start to feel those physical sensations of this type of emotion, right? Your heart rate might accelerate. You might feel a little clammy. You might get shallow in your breath as your mind starts to accelerate the thoughts that are negatively influenced towards that situation. And before you know it, you've driven the entire way home and you can't remember it. And you worked yourself into a state that that was all triggered by a memory and an impression, but something nonetheless that has now carried away your happiness and your attention with it. Now, one of the hardest things about runaway emotions is if we imagine the physics of a locomotive in motion, we see that a train takes a little while to get up and running, right? That chugga, 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 right? But before you know it, the train is really rocking and rolling down the path. It's going. Now, when an emotion or a train becomes a runaway train, now that means that the train's brakes no longer work. This means that the train is going to go like by hell or high water down that track. Likely it's going fast. It could be a danger to other people. But the big differentiating factor of a runaway train versus a regular train is that a runaway train is really hard to stop. It can be very difficult to get yourself to unwind from that. So maybe you drove by that place where you shared that final fight and it caused that emotional disturbance in you and you drove home angry, but then you go home and you treat your kids 
kids in a way that you're not proud of. You treat your partner in a way that you're not proud of. You don't wash your face before you go to bed because you're just so stressed out. You overindulge yourself in social media, trying to numb the pain of the experience that you just went through. And before you know it, that runaway emotion has created so much momentum in your mind that it becomes difficult to unwind and can affect you negatively in a big way. So what we know, at least what we want to bring forward today in this framework is from the work of Dr. Joseph McClendon III, which many of you know is the founder of the Neural Encoding Institute, a dear friend and business partner of ours, a neuropsychologist uh, and peak performance specialist, an incredible, amazing human being who's been in this industry for 35 years, teaching neuroscience strategies to getting behavior change and to getting addressing things like runaway negative emotions before they completely run away. Uh, and like one of the things he loves to say is kill the monster while it's a baby. You don't want to deal with a giant monster. You don't want to deal with a runaway train. You want to be able to kill the baby monster. You want to be able to stop the train while you still have access to the brakes. And so uh, knowing that we want to be able to do that means that having the ability to identify what's happening is going to be really important for us because once we identify, then we could diagnose not in a clinical way, but in a personal way, what's going to be best for us. But let's first understand from this McClendon, Dr. McClendon framework here, that really all of these negative emotions that can or cannot run away, depending on our intervention, are, are at their root a form of stress, right? Stress is anything that puts pressure on or is in any way resistant to something that we're doing. Our lives are full of stressors and some stressors are good, but many stressors trigger negative responses for us. And so we want to understand that, that root cause comes from stress, at least in the framework we're talking about here today. Well, stress can really manifest in a, a few different ways. And because stress is unavoidable, it is something that everybody has to deal with and some folks find themselves not able to cope with. In today's day and age, I think there's likely more mental stress than there has been on people. Not, not physical stress or resource stress, but like this mental burden and load with our complex social structures and all of the things that are at play. But when we talk about stress, we're really breaking it down into four different types of stress. And this comes right from Dr. Joseph McClendon's work. He talks about stress manifesting in these four different ways. It can manifest in somebody as mental illness, right? that I've gotten to a breaking point uh, and, and my stress has taken me to this breaking point and now I need clinical uh care in order to get better with my mental illness. Um, it also manifests as mental health. Some people face stress and they double down. Shai, I think you and I are kind of like this. We right? like, we face stress and we're like, you know what? My routine's going to get better. My, I, I'm, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to do my journaling. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to make it happen, right? Some people channel their stress into mental health. There's also the types of stress that it, that manifest in the form that I think are most popularly talked about in today's society. And that's the forms of anxiety and depression, right? Kind of the evil twin siblings, I feel. <laughs> They're both manifestations of stress, but they look different. So when we talk about that feeling of anxiousness, this is really that fear of impending pain or discomfort. So I'm looking to the future and I'm feeling fear about what is there. It's the uncertainty of the future that I don't want. So I'm imagining something and, and I'm imagining it's not going the way that I want it to. And I'm feeling that uncertainty and expecting pain to come from that. 
So what the what the feeling of anxiousness does for us is geometrically escalate. This is that runaway mechanism, the fear or pain of uncertainty. So that's what that emotion is magnifying for us. What can get the wheels on that train going faster and faster. And it can be attached to things that help you, right? Like you can be nervous, uh, anxious about a big presentation coming up or something. How you manage that, which is what we'll get to in the next segment, the stress management system that you can do. How you manage that, it's going to depend how you interpret that that stress response there. And then the physical aspect includes for, for anxiousness is that elevated heart rate, that blood pressure up. We've got fidgeting. Um, we've got folks who who can't, can't seem to sit Hair still. Pulling. Yes. The it's brain very is very up. active during this emotion. Now, depression, the other side of the coin is, is again, the, the same coin, but manifesting stress differently in our lives and in our bodies. So really this, the, 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 focus goes from the future to feelings of hopelessness about the present and often the past and sometimes the future, but really the present and the past and that feeling of hopelessness. When they look at the past, they look at their failures. They look at their mistakes. When we're feeling those depressive feelings, that's the thing, the, the, uh, the type of stress response that we're observing in our bodies. Now, I want to just rewind this back to anxiety really quick uh, because Shai, you have a very interesting front row seat to the way that anxiety plays out, especially in the population of individuals that you serve as a university teacher. And oftentimes you find people coming up against impending pain or discomfort of speaking in front of class and uh, actually backing down from this. Yeah, this is a really interesting trend. I've got a a class of 163 students and every single day there are 20 of them that are assigned to be the discussion leader. What that entails is that they have to come get a numbered paddle and sit in the audience and raise the paddle three times to contribute to the discussion questions that I put forward. Now, this that can be anxiousness inducing for many folks to speak in front of an audience, but I am observing higher levels than I ever have before with this particular cohort. And I think I'm going to continue to see it because of the generational impacts of, of COVID and distance learning and all of those things. But I'm looking right now at a five out of every 20 are backing out at the last second because their feelings of anxiousness have run away so far that they take a behavioral change and back out of uh, out of the discussion leader assignment. So it, it's very interesting and fascinating to see how this is manifest manifesting in this generation and how it's becoming more and more prevalent. So after we hear from our sponsors, we're going to dive a little bit into depression and maybe some of the methods that you can use to help slow down that runaway train before it gets uncontrollable. We're talking leadership this week, and one of the organizations we are so proud to be at the helm of is the Neuroencoding Institute. We got to co-found the Neuroencoding Institute alongside Dr. Joseph McClendon III, amazing, world-renowned neuropsychologist and incredible mentor and teacher. If you're at all interested in learning more about what the Neuroencoding Institute does and what it can do for you, please visit neuroencoding.com. We've had some really cool access to some really cool people, and we want to share it with you. 
We have an amazing interview series of some of the interviews we've done with celebrities like Dr. Deborah Tillman, America's super nanny, Dr. Joseph McClendon III, famous neuropsychologist, uh, former professor of UCLA. We've got Dr. Bruce Lipton, author of Beyond Belief, and we even have John Maxwell, the number one leadership expert. Your sisters want to bring you into the room with our most exclusive access. So go to knshy.com. Right there on the homepage, you will see a button that says get my celebrity interview series and we would love to share our access with you k-a-y-a-n-d-s-h-i.com we'll see you over there you're enjoying this episode on angel phoenix productions podcast network to explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions So we look at anxiety as being the manifestation of our fear about the future. We look at depression of being our rumination around our past, maybe from a sadness around the nostalgia that we no longer have access to or uh, our beating ourselves up for our past mistakes. But when these two things go totally rogue and that train's engine starts running down the tracks and the, and the brakes break, it can lead to serious mental illness. Right. And that's what we want to avoid for everyone, uh, including ourselves, um, which is why, Kay, I'm hoping that you'll share the story. You, you know, you've noticed a pattern seasonally in your life of um, depressive emotions coming forward for you at a certain time of year. And that in the past, that has been a runaway emotional train for you that's taken you off the rails um, even through the end of the year. You started to feel that come on this year. I'm hoping you'll share a little bit about that story. Yeah. So I have noticed over my life that come the turning of the season, especially around fall and occasionally at the turning of the season around spring, that I tend to have some depressive emotions come forward. Now, it's not intentional. It is something that creeps into me without my really understanding it. And so I hope that I do justice to the emotion by describing it um, in this way. But it is something that has been so uncontrollable for me in the past that it has led me to fearing the emotion so bad that fuels the uncontrollable nature of it that then fuels the fear that fuels the nature that fuels the fear that has triggered around that September mark and has ruined for me entire ends of years before. Now for me, the manifestation of this is depression that ends up leading to suicidal ideation. Um, It's not a comfortable thing. I don't do it consciously, um, but it's that feeling of, you you know, things are hopeless. They're never going to get better. You've always had struggle. What's even the point? And then that narrative really has an effect on me. And as we've grown shy and, and I've been able to be comfortable enough to share this with you, particularly in the last four years, we were able to find the patterning around the seasons. And then I, I gained this trust tree of people where I felt safe to go to them and say, I am having those emotions. I'm feeling it. We actually named her. Her name is that B. Uh, you guys can fill in that bad word there, but that B Cindy. And when Cindy starts coming around telling me to off myself, I say, you know what, Cindy, get out of here. You are not in control of my train. I'm in control of my train. And I took my mental health this year into my hands in a really intentional way. Like I felt it early. I could feel it a couple days out and it hit me hard 
heart a few weeks ago, right at this turning in the season, often like it does, and I went right into self-care mode. I was not going to let that be Cindy ruin the rest of my year or make me feel unsure about my own willingness to live. I'm not going to give my power over to my emotions in that way. And so I employed every single tactic in the book. I, I did the stop technique. We're going to talk about that. I, I did my affirmations in the mirror. I journaled. I made sure I stayed hydrated. And guess what? I haven't let up on those good habits since that day because I know that this time of year can be dangerous for me. And the last thing that I'm going to do is allow those runaway emotions to run me off of a cliff in this life. I'm so proud of you. And I hope that the audience gained value from that story because it's so it's tangible and it's real. And it's a great example of the kinds of circumstances we find ourselves in, right? Where we can, we can catch it early once we bring that awareness to it. Something important to note around depressive feelings and depression in general is that there's something you can look for called the three P's of depression. And what happens when we're feeling depressive thoughts is that we start to think whatever the situation is or the feeling is, is the one, these three P's. It's pervasive, meaning it's everywhere. It's personal. It's about us and it's persistent. It's not going to stop and it's permanent forever. So those are the three P's of depression. When we think about, haven't you ever felt that hopeless feeling where you're like, I, I'm the reason that things are bad, right? It's never going to get any better and it impacts every area of my life. That's what that sounds like. And once you hear yourself starting to engage in the three P's, as Kay mentioned, you can then activate into self-care mode. So let's talk about what self-care mode looks like right now and some of those strategies that you can do. You heard Kay mention some of them, but there are even more. Well, I think that it's important to note that these tools are so important for our society with uh, suicide being the leading cause of death for people under the age of 24. I mean, we are in a, you know, I don't want to be dire about it, but a little bit of a time of crisis where uh, um, runaway emotions are running people over and running rampant in, in today's society. And the way out has become uh, death itself. And that's a difficult thing to reconcile with. So we hope that you take these, these action items. And if you're struggling or someone else is struggling um, that you know of, especially, especially with suicidal thoughts, please, please, as Shyla mentioned at the beginning of this episode, go get the care that you need. There is a suicide hotline that you can call. Uh, I believe that there's a, a, a I think you can text now. 711. 711 yeah. is the suicide hotline, just like 911 if you need to get to it. But if you are not at that point yet and your train isn't run away, but maybe getting there, there are some things that you can do. Now, first off, give yourself some time to experience the emotion. Look, ex the emotions of depression and anxiety are completely natural. You know how we know? Because you wouldn't have them if they weren't. We're humans. We wouldn't have the common experience mm -hmm. if these weren't natural emotions because we all share this uh, common thing of being human beings. And it's something we, most of us at least can relate to. Right. And understanding that and just bringing that awareness and articulation around it can really help us, right? Getting into that mode of once we understand more about it, okay, I'm going to feel like it's pervasive. I'm going to feel like it's completely personal when those things happen. And you hear that voice in your head starting to narrate things that can be trigger warnings to you like, you know, oh my gosh, it's always this way. Things never change. Everything is ruined, right? We have a whole teaching about using absolute 
absolutes in your language and allowing words that are absolutes like 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 always and never and everyone and no one when you hear yourself say those words let that be an internal alarm bell to you to pay attention to what you're saying because chances are you are dichotomizing something that shouldn't be and you're cutting off options for your brain to make new pathways and new solutions to those circumstances and issues so a little bit of a side note there but this is a great practical strategy for us to look for those absolutes in our language to look for those ideas of is it personal is it permanent is it pervasive and understanding that these are all signs for us to then activate into that self-care mode into that it's time to carve out some time to protect yourself and your mental health and sanity and take some action in order to write your train and get back on track now those are some great mental cues for understanding if your runaway emotional train is at play but there's also some body cues that you can tune into now everybody experiences emotions a little bit differently because we are all unique and while our systems work the same they are different um, so it, notice do your best to notice where in your body the emotions generate, where in your body they sit. Uh, for me, it's like this pit in my stomach that kind of gives me this like gut, gut punch feeling. And, and now that I noticed it again, I've been patterning and paying attention to this pattern for years. I can feel that feeling in my body and understand the emotion that's at play. The fact that we as humans even have the opportunity to examine our emotions means that we're separate from them. You are not how you feel. You are the experiencer of those emotions. And so bringing awareness to where they're coming from in your body can help you catch them quicker. So understanding then that negative emotions start from one of these four areas of stress. And again, usually manifests as feelings of anxiousness or feelings of depression, but can also manifest as full-blown mental illness, especially the physical health of your brain. Like if you've had a TBI, traumatic brain injury, then you can anticipate some emotional responses coming out of that, that healing process and that injury. And then we also have our mental health, which is to how we feel, right? Our psychology and what we think about ourselves, uh, the people around us and the world around us. And if that's healthy, if that mental health is positive, then that contributes to being able to put some triggers in place to stop the runaway train. It helps us put in, put in systems. It helps us keep a strong mental health. But if our mental health is weak in so far as that what we we think about ourselves, the people around us and the world at large, then that's going to make the train go even faster down the track. So these are our four expressions of stress or how they can express, but it all comes down to that stress. So understanding what is my stress management system, whatever it is, then I know that I can be able to go into mode and, and activate so that I can address these things, things like moving your body around, probably one of the most effective things that you can do to get yourself out of a runaway emotion is to move move your body. The hard part is getting yourself to do it because even though you intellectually know going for a walk around the neighborhood would make you feel better, it's really hard to convince yourself in that moment because you you feel justified and you want to stew and 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 your 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 brain is telling you it's permanent, it's pervasive, it's personal, that's not going to matter anyways. So getting yourself to do the actions while simple can be the biggest difference maker. So this week we're going to dive even deeper into the actions that you can take. We're going to talk more about the emotions, things that you can do, things you can look out for, how to help yourself, how to help your friends and family, and more. But today's episode's coming at you with love from your sisters, Kay and Shai. This 
This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.